Right on. Yeah, hell yeah. We were just talking about how my uh, my cat won't stop throwing up. And I'm I'm trying to come up with solutions because uh, apparently that's that's one of my side hustles. Solutions, yeah. Cat therapy. Cat therapy. You got a cat? No, no, I do not. <laughs> You know, it's funny. I, I when I was in Mount Airy, I wanted to get a cat um, because I had a, a rodent problem. And yeah, yeah, that's anyone who lives in Uptown knows that like you could be the cleanest person if you're in a row home or duplex or anything like that. Yeah. It don't matter how clean you are. So yeah, uh, yeah, I thought about getting a cat, and then I just never did. And yeah, I my, moved my mom place. being like, "It's the poppy store because they got that fu- it's that dump that fucking dumpster." <laughs> and I'm like, "Damn, mom, chill." Right. Maybe. I don't know. I get my fishies from there. Relax. Yeah. You know, uh, the city, like, if you get a rental property, they want you to get, they want you to put a garbage disposal in there. Because what happens is you put, the more trash people put out on the street, the more rodents they're trying to. I can understand that. I think that there's, um, and it's real easy for us not being in politics to sit here and say, oh, just pay for this thing. You know, I'm sure you you got a budget, but it'd be nice to have some sort of incentive or tax break or lower property value. If your property does have a garbage disposal on it, that'd be nice. Something. Yo, you, uh, did you see what Canada did for like this, their black citizens? No. What's that? They announced like a 2 billion. Oh, wait, hold on, let me look it up. It's like a $200 million. Like, uh, like they're launching these three programs to help the black minorities in the city. I mean, mm-hmm. in the country. So like one is, one is like a loan thing. One is like a school thing. I don't know. It was just pretty funny. Well, you got to be careful nowadays. A $221 million to launch Canada's first ever black entrepreneurship program. Well, that's dope. I, I, I think like with a lot of different things, you can look at it through two different lenses. You can look through a positive lens or a negative lens. I would just say, regardless of what lens you look through, just be careful because right now, the way the media in America is, it wants you to think that everybody else is doing better than us. Yeah. So you kind of got to read in between the lines. It's kind of like, hey, what is that program really? Or what do you got to do to get it? I think it's dope. Like, I don't want anybody to, you know, I think it's dope. But at the same time, like, you know, you, you kind of got to think about stuff like that, you know? Yeah. I'm not, like, patriotic, I guess. Like, I love my community and the people around me and stuff, my family. Mm-hmm. But... I think I think you can be, I don't know, objective about is it objective or subjective? Objective. Uh, yeah, subjective yeah, you can be, you is it can be taken any way. Yeah, objective you can, is you're looking at just the facts. Yeah, you can be objective about the way that minorities are treated in America, good and bad, and still be like, even though some things are good, you know, there's a lot to be done. I agree, especially I agree. in this current climate. The, the the great quote from like fucking Malcolm X, he's like getting interviewed on the street or something, and the guy's like, "Do you feel like we've made progress or whatever?" He's like, "Hell no." <laughs> he's like, "He's like the healing doesn't start." I think I said this in the last episode of the pod. He's like, "The healing doesn't start when you pull the knife out. The healing starts once the wound closes up." He's like, "And North, he's like Americans have a problem just admitting." He's a like, white America has a problem admitting that the knife is there in the first place. So how you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think uh it's really tough to have an opinion nowadays because um 
I feel like everybody feels like they got to be on the side. Like everybody feels like, you know, here's the fence. You got to be on side of You can't be yeah. on the fence. You got to be on this mm-hmm. side and this side. And I think on the other, the other end of that is you got people who go, you don't agree with me. So you must be on the other side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, you have to be like, there's no middle ground. I don't even know what your position is, but the fact that you disagree with me means that you you're on the other side period and i think the most difficult place to be is you kind of got to play this game of how do i word what i want to say and honestly i'm starting to learn through the most unlikeliest of sources believe it or not i'm starting to learn just get up there and say what you got to say the people who don't like it they won't like it and the people who will like it or understand those are the people who you're saying it for yeah you gotta have you gotta have a real bart simpson attitude about shit and just go who cares right 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 like i'm saying it like i remember and sometimes i gotta check myself too i think that's the most difficult part checking ourselves because there was one time i'm scrolling on twitter and i hope i heard you know some young lady obviously she was hurt and she had posted this like blanket statement like all men yada 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 whatever it is and it's easier for me now but at one point i would have engaged in that but like you know when i saw it i was like oh it don't apply to me. I kept nah, so, yeah, yeah. If it don't apply, <laughs> nah, sis. Yeah. Now, why you out here disrespecting black men like that? That everything we've been through. Right. Exactly. Exactly. You know, you get up there and like. Yeah, it's you know, hard. It's and, hard to contain your inner Doctor Umar. You know. He's just a guy. <laughs> I got memes for days. I'm yeah. the I'm the Umar meme guy. Yeah, Umar is tough meme guy. Yeah. Is he? Yeah. <laughs> but no, you're right. You're right. I think. Uh, Right now, what you got is everybody. I read this article from a psychologist. This was all back on Psychology Today, and it talks about social media, Twitter specifically. Yeah. So it says that it encourages or induces like a mob mentality mm-hmm. where everybody. To, so before, how it works is you see something, you see a target, and you can collectively attack that target. But now you're on Twitter, it's just like this open room where like everybody is just walking around in. And these people were kind of looking for allegiances to like side themselves on and or side themselves with. And all it takes is that one person to say, you know what, the favorite, the, my, the best default font is Calibri. Yeah. And somebody else like, no, it's Times New Roman, son. You know what I mean? Like nobody's saying Times New Roman. <laughs> I don't know shit about fonts. I know nobody ain't picking Times New Roman. I'm willing to I'm willing to mob up against a motherfucker talking about Times New Roman is the best font. See what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I found his address and where he lives, where he works. <laughs> you you got you got a lot of disdain for Times New Roman. Sound like you didn't type up a lot of reports in school. They, I did. they had you. They they're like twelve point font. You like mm-hmm. Go on. They're like yeah. double space. You like uh huh. Go on. And you like they're like Times New Roman font. You like nope, not doing it. Nah, I'm in Microsoft Paint. <laughs> I'm in Microsoft Paint. Drawing up a fuck Times New Roman. But what's different from what's going on on Twitter now, right? And this mob mentality and the way humans have lived since the dawn of time. Is it really that different? Or is it that you can interact with mobs that you are not close to? Because, like, that's to to go on a wild tangent. It's like, uh-huh. it's like the bombing of Black Wall Street. It's like one uh-huh. person says something. And now all these people are convinced that something happened and now they mob up and hurt a bunch of people. Uh, I think um, 
I think it's a combination of both. I think stuff like this, whether it be the way um, police departments around the country have treated minorities, specifically black people, um, their, their hiring process, um, and, and my mentality is just in general about any topic, whether it be sex, whether it be politics, whether it be religion. I think that's always been there. You're right. I will agree there. I also like to focus on, I think it's the combination of the social evolution of people. Like right now, it's in a really weird way, as unacceptable it is to have an opinion nowadays. I think a lot of us say that in, like we're, we're being dramatic. Right now, we live in a time where it's probably the most acceptable to have a, a, an opinion in general. Yeah, and I think yeah. back when you and I were growing up and our parents were growing up and so on and so forth, our, we couldn't be as expressive. And I remember talking about it on um, uh, in the past, where it's like when we, when you and I were growing up, and when our parents were growing up, uh, curiosity got misinterpreted as disobedience. Like yeah. you're questioning my authority, and it's like, no, I, I genuinely want to know why you're putting a table over there. Like, help me understand. I might have a house one day. I need to understand. But you know, parents get there. There are parents in our generation that viewed as, "Oh, you're being disobedient." So I think right now, the kids and the younger people um, into the there are the majority of people who have social media. These are the people who don't have to live in that. Oh, if you're questioning me, you're being disobedient. They're like encouraged to have questions and opinions. Yeah. So I think that's where a lot of that comes from too. Because if we had Twitter back in the '90s. I don't think I, I could be romanticizing it, but I, I, I can't, I can't imagine Twitter in the eighties and nineties being anywhere as like attacking as it is now. I just feel that way. I don't have any proof or yeah. empirical evidence. I would just imagine I just like rap groups, like, like a uh, black moon would be more popular if, if the internet was around back then. That's a good point. You know what? Actually, That's the only I way think... I could think of it. The only way I could think of it working is like underground, you know, gold album selling rappers getting more shine you know um i think it could work both ways too because i think there would be no underground i think the lack of accessibility immensely helped underground rappers immensely uh, i think i think the way i don't know i think the way that underground hip-hop has grown and been able to thrive without people knowing who they are at all in the past 10 15 years it is specific, like it's only a it's only a method that works with the internet, because they don't have to do shows, they don't have to tour. Like touring is where mo a lot of artists get money, and you need you usually need some type of advertisement or labels to you know make that stuff happen. Uh -huh. you know? To call li literally just to be like, hey, I'm doing a show at Electric Factory. I could I can guarantee a thousand people who's going to be there or whatever. Uh -huh. Like then you have all these rappers now who are like living in obscurity essentially people don't know who they are still but they're able to like make good money and pay their bills i don't know where am i wait what am i talking about what am i talking about again <laughs> i forgot we went we went from um social media and its impact yeah, today to, to its impact on hip-hop like yeah. if, if black moon had a, a myspace page <laughs> a black planet uh i think uh that was the first black social media site. Black, black, <laughs> black Planet Black Black Planet was the BET of social media. It was yeah. like 
more specifically yeah. the, the created the, by the, white the, people the BET uncut <laughs> yeah run run by white people no black <laughs> people actually used it except for like two hours exactly man so, um, yeah I, I miss think, I think, uh I miss early two thousands like hotel culture, holistic culture. Your you know, my aunt who was all in the herbs and shit and being like, Oh, you gotta try this tea and I'm like, I'm not drinking it. Give me a sprite. No <laughs> motherfucking tea. You know? I think uh telling me to go be vegan. There's a lot there's a you know, Hotep's really started this vegan shit. People don't know about I, that. I I, th- I think uh, yeah. uh people don't know about going to the, the produce market on Harvey Street with their cousin. <laughs> <laughs> with their older cousin, you spend the one Sunday at the church with your older cousin, and she's like, "What you mean y'all be?" Uh, nah, Shout out to Germantown. Shout yeah. out to Germantown. Oh, you know me. I never know what you talking about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just, I just had one more thought about this underground hip hop thing. Yeah, um, about it. I love underground hip hop right now. I. uh I wanted to talk about something that you said when you said um, uh, the I, the reason I the reason I believe the internet would have uh, done more harm than good to underground hip hop is because there's something about underground hip hop that that makes it like the exclusivity of it, the fact yeah. that you can't turn, the fact that you can turn on like Cosmic Kev or Funk Flex or something like that and maybe hear them on that, on that doing a freestyle or like a mix a DJ mix. Um, like diamond cuts or something like that, but but when you when you um, turn on a normal radio, uh, like a, a mainstream radio station, or even an yeah, urban yeah. hip hop radio station, yeah, that you can't hear them, should, yeah. like you won't hear them. I think that like exclusivity is a part of hip uh, underground hip hop. The 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 lack that not everyone can accept. It, it kind of like feels like that you go over your uncle's house who was yeah, into something only, that yeah. you didn't know he was my, into. My uncle is smoking wet. Yeah. <laughs> he, uh, he loves MOP. I, 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 like the the best way I can compare it is if it's kind of like you find yourself into something and you see you go over to your uncle's house and he go, "Oh, you in the cars, huh?" And you're like, "Yeah." He go, "Let me show you something." And he shows you like this collection of like model cars or something. And your mind is just blown, and you're like, "Wow, I did, wow, uncle, I didn't really know you were into this." Like, how do you find it? Like this treasure trove, and your uncle kind of treats it like, "Don't nobody know about this." Yeah. But the people who do know about it appreciate it. That's what I think underground hip hop is, where it's like yeah, but that, the people who know about it, it's like this golden, like secret treasure. Yeah, that, but that's what I mean. Though. Like it still kind of exists in the internet because because the internet is accessible to everyone, it gets flooded with these, you know, AAA companies and uh, agencies that like want to push their artists or anything, want to push anything. Just a- advertisement runs in all aspects of our life, so it's like. This yeah, if if it was out in the nineties, again yeah, Black Moon might be a little bit more popular. But the honest truth is that Reasonable Doubt would have went platinum quicker. You know all these all these projects that were already going on that end, yeah. Like it wasn't yeah, going to yeah. it wasn't going to like like when I like MOP like the the Fire and Squad album wasn't going to take away from Method Man's album. Like it was right. no way because it's just like they already have that. But I th- I think even in today. Which is why I'm saying I like underground hip hop is because there are a lot of artists who, again, nobody knows who they are, and you can you go on someone's Twitter, you find someone, and you're like, this guy is like a talent. This guy's like really special, and they don't. The, there's there's no evidence of them ever being associated with mainstream except for like their other rapper friends. 
you know. There's an entire there's an entire subculture and like like there's a whole movement in like Rochester, New York going on right now. With like all these guys that like some of them are older, some of them are in like their mid thirties. They got a couple of young guys, but it's just like guys that have been rapping for so long, they've had opportunities to go mainstream, but they can't stop making the music that that speaks to them. You know, and then eventually like sometimes you can get lucky and then people will just catch on. Like with mm-hmm. like Rock Marciano and West Side Gun and Makami and then like thirty eight special thirty eight specials one were like that, motherf- that motherfucker's been making music and doing shit for like fifteen years. And this entire time mm-hmm. nobody has really paid attention to him. And what, he- what do you think what do you think underground rap's biggest limitation is? I mean you already touched on it a little bit when you said you gotta, listen. Uh, you gotta they, listen. They they can't make music that speaks for uh, outside yeah. of what speaks to themselves. But like, what yeah. else do you think it is? They just don't, they make music where you gotta pay attention, and people don't like. Music I don't think way. that's. I think that's a cop. No. Way. I think I think they make music no where like like if you listen to Rock Marciano, you gotta pay attention to what he's saying. Or you yeah, but that's not why. I wouldn't say that's a good reasons to people, why. People don't fucking have you ever. When's the last time you like listened to Power? Yeah, you listen to NLE Chopper. Like he's a nice kid, I'm sure. But his music isn't. I, you can imagine what he's saying as he, you can never hear a song. And I think I think I think you're letting the success of modern day rap detract from what makes like so treat them as two. So take take everything else outside of underground rap away. Don't even look at it. Don't look at mainstream. Don't look at how successful everyone else has been. Don't look at like uh, the non lyrical content music that's out right now. Yeah. Look at purely what just what underground hip hop is. What do you think its limitation is? Like it, it, it uh, if itself. Like if you're working on a house, if you're working on a house, and I come up to you, I'm not going to say um, the reason you can't hammer that nail into that drywall is because Jay Z up the street got power tools. No, no, you know, no, no. That's say, not. That's say, not what like, I mean, though. Hammer. You know nah, I mean? what I kind of mean is that, like, because a lot of underground artists maybe spend more time working on their music, maybe put their, it, it comes from more of a personal place. You have to feel they don't make music that you get like you can't like when I say you can't take a Rock Marciano song, you can't take a F Parade and put that on it just anywhere. It's not because it's not it's not as good or it's not as like produced well as like a as like a top 40 song the thing is that what he's talking about is so deep and interpersonal you can't you really do have to be kind of paying attention or you'll just so, you'll miss I, the so reason much i think that's a, the reason i think that's like a a, a lazy answer and there's underground because, i'm sorry let me to cut you off but there's underground guys that aren't like necessarily like uh crazy lyricists too like it, it works outside of like boom bap and like grimy shit there's a bunch of like trap rap Playboy Cardi sounding ass motherfuckers, Young Thug sounding ass dudes that also operate in their own space, but because it's so specific to to their base, it's like yeah, everybody. You could put like if you heard six forty five AR four months ago, you would be like, what the fuck is this? But then you see the type of following he has, and it's like, oh, this must speak to that group of people, and that's just that's literally just a guy that's rapping with a baby voice. I think. Here's what I think. I'm going to get real deep, man. I think we're going, I think this is a good topic because I feel like we disagree on it. And those are usually the best ones. <laughs> but here's why, here's why I, I, here's my response to what you just said. 
I believe that that can't be its true limitation because you got you take artists like Logic, you take artists like Lupe Fiasco, you take artists like Eminem, you take artists like uh, MF Doom, you take artists like Method Man. Um, I could go on down the list on and on. Talib Kweli, Most Def, Outkast, who their content they they were to a degree, maybe to a lesser extent, yeah, right. some of them like MF Doom, etc. But in general, I'm speaking in general. Their lyrics are very meaningful. They're very specific. Their their content filled with with hey. thought, and they 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 were successful, right? I think I think underground's biggest limitation is I think they view industry and they view mainstream as betraying what they represent. Well, that might yeah, that might affect some people, but like all those people you just named, other than Doom, are like. I mean, even Doom was an industry guy. Like, he was an industry rapper when he started. That's how he uh-huh. ended up becoming MF Doom. It's like all all those guys have these backings of, like, very powerful media outlets. So, so yes, it's like Andre 3000 is a great rapper. He's deep. It, what, what makes him different from, like, left, left lane D-Don? You know, the, the thing is that, again, uh, some guys are very specific in their in the way that they approach making music and they are not as easy listening as like Andre 3000 knew how he is is a talented rapper he also is very good at making hits that the outcast had like eight hits and like a and like two albums that were like groundbreaking and it's like yeah some guys just know how to make hits and that helps them it helps them gather an audience that you know um 38 special isn't going to get 38 special makes great songs. I love a lot of his songs. He's he, I, he can't make I it like Drake, and that's look, not a, that's not a that's not a deterrent. To, that's not me saying that he is a lesser artist. I think it's just like they're just different. They're living in different worlds in hip hop because hip hop is so vast and so big, and we and hip hop has grown so much in the 40 years since its creation or the 44 years. Is that it's not is it is literally like a, the Amazon jungle. You go through all these different artists, and you realize that even though they all follow the same core practices of like sixteen bars, start this, this, the bars start at twenty seconds or whatever. It's like you you get to a certain point, and it's like the yes, Jay Z and uh, MF MF Grimm are both rappers, but the way that they both approach this. Is complete. Is not the same. I think we're trying. I, I think. I think we're talking about different things now. I think we are because what I'm saying is I don't. I'm, I'm not. That. I'm not refuting that they're different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So can we agree on that? That everybody yeah. has different styles. I'm not refuting that. So yeah. here's what I'm saying. Just, just to get my thought. But out. I'm saying they're different. Yeah, they're, just, they're to, oh, just, just to get my thought out, real quick. Yeah. Just to get my thought out. Yeah, go I, what What I'm saying is like, if. I'm going to keep going back to like, if we, uh, uh, examples and analogies, if we're both chefs and we started at like a local restaurant in the hood and it, it kind of depends on what we view as success, because if in my mind, success is I want to cook for more people. I want to cook for, you know, royalty. I want to cook for celebrity. I want to, I want to be, I want to have my own show, stuff like that. If I view that as success, I'm gonna do whatever I gotta do to get that success, right? If you're a chef and your chef, your success for you is, I just want people to taste my food. 
if people like my food enough and worry it out about my food enough, they're going to come to me. I don't have to be as outreaching as proactive to try to book shows and, and cook at this or whatever. You're going to be looking at it like I, if my food is good enough, they're going to come and try, like they're going to come to me to try my food. And I think what it is, is you got some, just like you got some chefs, you got some rappers, you got some whoever, you got a dedicated group of people where they view industry, they view mainstream, they view all these different things as like the enemy. They view it as like, I'm selling out to the hood or I'm selling out to my core audience or I'm selling out, I'm changing, I'm, or whatever the case may be. So be, because I can't have my cake and eat it too, I'm just gonna stay underground and appeal to the people who I'm appealing to now because they matter to me more than appealing to some dude in Missouri. I think that's their biggest limitation is they view that, they view exposure and quote unquote mainstream. I think they view it as like the enemy, like it's bad or something. I, I think if I think if there were enough of these, this current wave of MCs not collaborating and being friends with and doing songs with mainstream artists, then it, cause yeah, there are guys who like they brought like, Makami is a great example of like he gets into a fight with his with Westside Gun, and they separate. And then Westside Gun, they both ascend, but they ascend at different levels. Like Westside Gun is like doing all like signing Rock Nation, doing all these things, like working with all these different artists. Makami is also like independent, selling his albums for a thousand dollars, like working with the Alchemists and all these different people. And they they are both progressing, but it's a different. Yeah, I guess maybe, yeah. Maybe you're right that some guys see it as, like, it's not the place for them. The, mm -hmm. industry, the industry is not for me. I don't have the appeal to the industry. But I do think that in the current internet age of rapping, the, the industry is a, a different landscape. So, yeah, it's not like you have to deal with Columbia and Atlantic a bunch to, to, get, mm -hmm. to get album sales and to get spins. Uh, but I do think that because you don't need the industry to make money, you don't need the industry to pay your bills. You find a lot of rappers take you find a lot of rappers taking real chances with their with their creative process and doing things that like even there like that I'd never thought that I would do some shit like. That's why I like Rock Marciano so much because he constantly for like this whole ten year between twenty ten and twenty twenty, each project he'd be like I'm trying shit that I never tried before. Just because I because I want to try it, and you you get to a point where like tech yeah he's technically underground, but his album sells and his his pro the money that he makes probably rivals a lot of like big acts, you know. I think yeah, maybe it, maybe at this point in history, underground hip hop does and does not exist. It's Schrodinger's cat. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Speaking yeah. of speaking yeah. of. How, 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 what's your cat's name and how are they doing? Oh, uh, Usagi. Like, how is she doing? She's doing and, all right. Since oh, yeah, that's how, that's how, that's how we, yeah, that's how we started. Yeah, Usagi, we just spent like 30 minutes talking about hip hop. Usagi, right. uh, I got Usagi from my boy, Jordan. He lives in Uptown. He lives in like Germantown, I think. Uh huh. Uh, cause he was moving. So I took his cat and, uh, he's either gonna come get her or it's just gonna be my cat forever. Uh, oh, so that's not even maybe maybe that's why it's not maybe that's why she's not eating. She like she's I'm been not here home, for, bro. Yeah, she's been here for like five months. <laughs> <laughs> she, she's been here that, for a while. 
I think I honestly think it's the dry food that's bothering her. It's tough to say, man. You she might start have throwing to... up to the dry food. Internet, man. You you Google. YouTube. Yeah, everybody. All the everything. Cats I... not eating. Yeah. yeah. Well, she eats the food. She just throws it up. The everything that I'm reading though is saying to take her to the vet. So I'm, I think I'm gonna take her to the vet this weekend or early that's, next. That's a good call, man. You don't want what'd you say, Jordan? You don't want yeah, Jordan to come Jordan. back to a to a corpse, yeah. man. That, that's, that's pretty dark. <laughs> that, guy, that guy listens to the show. He listens to the show, Child Jordan. Uh, what, what, how, he how he plays a lot of video Jordan? games, huh? How long have you known Jordan? I don't even actually really know him. He he listened to the show and he would call in and then I just followed him on Twitter and Instagram. Oh, that's what's up. Yeah, he's, Jordan. he's a you gamer. He's a savage gamer. He plays wait, everything. Wait, wait. That, I like that. Diversity yeah. matters in everything that we do, especially gaming. I You know, yeah. I used to hate at the store, bro. Mm -hmm. I used to hate when people would come Oh, yeah, we in. worked at GameStop together. <laughs> we did. So I used to hate when people would come in and like only play one type of game yeah, and they would knock 2K. another game. Y'all got 2K? And, right. Because, <laughs> you know, that's the, 2K and Madden, those are the only two games that existed. Well, that new Call of Duty time, come out. All right. I remember this one time that I got so frustrated. This guy came in the store. And he was like, um, hey, man, you know, I'm getting done with Call of Duty. You know, the new Mad Pack ain't out yet. I'm kind of like kind of repetitive looking for something new. <laughs> And I was like, well, what kind of game, you know, do you just like shooters, period? Or do you like a little bit more, you know, I'm asking them these probing yeah. questions. Because I was going to try to recommend Halo or Gears of War. Yeah. But, you know, Gears of War is a little dystopian. It's third person. Uh, Halo, yeah. science fiction, first person. I'm trying to gauge. He's like, no, I kind of like, you know, modern stuff. And I'm like, okay, well, you should try Battlefield or Medal of Honor. Battlefield was sick. Those Battlefield that came out right at the time were sick, yeah. So, so I'm trying to give him a Battlefield, and he's like, he he go home, he try, he come back. And he's like, I don't like it, man. He tell me ass, he, yo. <laughs> he telling me the reasons he don't like it. And he asking for other stuff. So I'm like, all right, man, well, you can try this. He telling me he don't like Medal of Honor. He telling me he don't like all these other games. Um, you know, and he comes back, he's like, nah, I just wait for the next map pack for Call of Duty. I'm just gonna wait out. for the map pack, bro. Cool. Right. Is that and I'm like, yo, like you drop five hundred dollars on your system. You only gonna play one game? We're going to play one game. And then one we time I, uh, and I'd be like, I'm just particular. No, I don't like nothing else. You no, know, it's everything. It's the industry's fault because you all only the like game, all yeah. the <laughs> There's a, this guy that works at the barbershop that I go to up in Germantown. This is before I started going there. But one, one day he comes in there and he's like, yo, what's up, Aki? It's not all league. And I'm like, yeah, it's all league. What's up? And then he's like, yeah, I'm looking for a game. So I, give it, I was like, yo, you should play Medal of Honor because it was like cheap or something. It was like on sale. Used, used it was really cheap, so he was like, "Oh yeah, you know, I'm gonna play this with my sons." So then, like three days later, he comes back. He's like, "Man, I gotta return this shit." I'm like, "What happened?" He's like, "Man, he killing all these Muslims in there. I can't be playing." Uh... This game. <laughs> I didn't even know because I don't think I had played it yet. I was like, "Oh, you like this? You like that?" There was you know a there was a small window when I worked at GameStop when I was like the star employee at. <laughs> Shout out to 958 on Shelton Ave. Yes, sir. Rest in peace. It's like an Olympia sports now. Or a yeah, I'm dope. My heart hurts every time I go by that joint, man. It's yeah. been a while. It's been a while. But that the place last is time sick. I, by it, I was going in there since I was a child. Literally. Literally. Um, it was so surreal for me. So I grew up on Boyer Street in Germantown, right around, yeah. right around the corner from um, uh, Chew and Shelton. Uh, right around the corner from Pastorius. So 
You like, went to Pastorius too? I went to Pastorius. I went to Pastorius. You, you went to Pastorius? I went to Pastorius from kindergarten to like second grade or first grade. Yeah, first grade. Oh, you ain't past first grade, bro. Come on, man. Yeah. I got, Where I you went go to after that? Emlyn. Oh, okay. We okay, moved to Gardenia okay. Street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like Germantown's in my blood. Like yeah. I can totally relate to Germantown. I, I live, I bleed Germantown. Everything about you, I love it. I love the history. I love the feeling. I love uh, the, the night. I take the I take the bad with the good. Everything. Yeah, you love the XH bus, right? The XH, the L, the K, the eighteen, the twenty. I can name all the bus routes that run. To name all the bus. Germantown, man. Sixty five. What's up? But <laughs> all the good Chinese stores. All the good Chinese. Yeah, stores. here we go. This is up. This is an uptown special. Anytime. <laughs> The most, the most type of guests that have been on this podcast have been people from Uptown. I agree, and but you got a subsect of Uptown. It's usually the, the West, Oak, the West Oaklaners that, in, in West, the mind of West Oaklane, they only think that West Oaklane is Uptown. Like yeah, they're the only stupid. people. Like, they, yeah. they, but just like so, you like, you like, well, is Mount Airy Uptown? They're like, no. You're like, okay, well, is Germantown Uptown? No. So. With why even like so West just West Oakland, even though you gotta go yeah above West Oakland. Let's, 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 let's break it let's break it down for these fools. So for the people who don't know, Uptown is a specific northwest area in Philadelphia that technically starts in Nice Town, but it's mm-hmm. some of it's some of Nice Town. It's a neighborhood called Brickyard, then there's a neighborhood called Haines Street, and then Dogtown, and then you get in the the Mount Airy Somerville. Somerville. Well, Somerville all kind of fits in between Haynes and Brickyard for me, right? Because it's like it's connected to both of those at the top. Well, Worcester Street, Worcester Street, and Ogons Avenues are are the bread. If 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 Somerville, so Worcester Street separates top side from bottom side. Yeah. And Chew Avenue, so in between Worcester and (laughs) Chew Avenue, up until where they intersect at uh, LaSalle, but like going back. Yes. Western Chew Avenue, in between that, that's Uptown. That's Uptown yes, Somerville. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, and in, in between Worcester and Ogons, and then, like, I guess Champloss is, like, the other side. That's yeah, Champ bottom Loss. side. That's the bottom that's side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, shout out to the cookout. I went to a cookout out there, like, when I was a teenager, and that shit was crazy. <laughs> I, was I used to always feel nervous around Champloss, man. <laughs> like, a part, I never felt comfortable. Um, for no line. reason. No reason. Like, I never got jumped. I never got robbed. I never, none of that. They got pretty streets like, around there, too, on the low. Say what now? They got pretty streets around there, on the <laughs> too, on the low. It's a nice block. Everybody's nice. Everybody seems to know each other. So, fun fact, we, we need to talk about some uptown. This is an uptown special. Uptown trivia for you. Did you know that both Champloss Street and Champloss Avenue are technically correct? And if you go oh, and look at the if you go and look at the street sign, they may have changed it. But if you go and look at the street sign, it actually just says Champ Laws. There's no suffix. Man, that's crazy. <laughs> it just says because I remember that's, that because were they like split um, in half? Was like one half street, one half. Avenue, I don't know. Just, I don't. I don't know. But I remember. Um, cool. I forget how exactly I got into the discussion, but I want to say it has something to do. We was at the store and I was taking some of my information for maybe like either an order, either we were shipping something. Or I was taking their info for like a, a GameStop membership or something, yeah. and I remember they were like Champ Loss, and I'm like, okay, Street Road Avenue. He was like, you know what? Champ-Loss. It's just Champ Loss, and I'm it's like, Champ-Loss. but it gotta be something. <laughs> so I just he's like, no, he straight up showed me like, look, it's, it's it just, just says Champ Loss. 
Yep. Shout out to sign the motherfuckers up for the game informers. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I can tell you war this, stories. You discount? Yeah, come on. War stories, man. I'm, yeah, I, I'm not going to lie. Like, I don't miss Retail. No, but I miss GameStop. I, 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 I will I miss say. GameStop. I don't miss Retail. I miss GameStop. job I ever had in my life. It was the least stressful job. Now I didn't. I wasn't like a key. I wasn't like a store manager or anything. So I just showed up, ate chicken nuggets in the back, and then I would go out and be like, "Yo, y'all gotta play Crisis, yo. Crisis is sick." <laughs> you that was yeah. That was my move. Yeah, yo, Crisis is crazy. Y'all crazy, yo. Yo, you know the fav- the, the the best part about so you. I heard this a long time ago. Um, one of my district managers told me this, and it carried over to every every other area of my life, but. You don't work for a company, you work for people. And I think the unique culture and environment that we had at Shelton Shelton Ave is because, first of all, we hired gamers. Um, I got the job, buddy. Right. And second of all, everybody had their own little piece of the puzzle. Everybody had their one game. Like, we could all, like, like similar games. Like, yo, I like Crisis 2. Or, hey, I like Battlefield 2, whatever the case may be. Oh, yeah, yeah. But everybody games. had their one, like, yeah. go-to yeah. John it, and it was hilarious. Capcom niggas had Tekken niggas. Right, exactly, exactly. I got the, I got the job at GameStop because I I had just turned eighteen and I uh-huh. walked in. I didn't have a I had like left my job at some shitty right at Maniac Brewery. I was working. I had just left. I remember and that. I, and I walk in and I saw uh, AJ. Uh huh. Yeah, I was, yeah, yeah. I was like, I was getting to like some dumb game. I was like, Yo, y'all hiring? And he, was like, <laughs> he was like, Yeah. <laughs> He's like, come back tomorrow. And I was. I love. Everybody asks for a job the same way at that store. Yeah. Hey, y'all niggas. Is hiring? y'all hiring? Y- y'all you hiring? You get lucky. <laughs> yo, when you get when you get the GameStop job in the hood, niggas like, yo, this niggas got the job. <laughs> we got the job. Damn, we a got real pour, job. We got poor one out because GameStop is shutting like hundreds of their stores. Yeah, and, you know it's so crazy. Speaking of, and um. I wouldn't bring this up on my show. I don't mind bringing it up on yours because yeah, I feel like, lines, yeah, right. <laughs> Here's the thing that I, I, I always dislike. Um, you don't work for a company. You work for people. I have had a phenomenal GameStop career. I had, did not have any downside. And everybody looked at me, the, the people, some people would look at like, oh, you were the golden child. Or, oh, people disliked you. Or you was everybody's favorite. For the sake of argument, okay, let's say that was the case. But my art, my point of view was always, and I don't mean to say this from a place of like, um, like a pedestal, but I feel like almost every, almost, because I'm sure there's some people, but almost everybody who worked for me, who came out underneath me, they genuinely enjoyed working for me. Like we had fun, like legitimately laughed. We looked forward to coming to work. We would look at the schedule and go, oh, who I work with today? You know, and it was like a genuine like funness. And, you know, yeah, I had a switch. Yeah, I can talk about, yo, man, you got to stop being late. Or, yo, I need you to get numbers. Like, whatever the case may be. But, like, at the end of the day, it's like, all right, we had a discussion. I'm, at the end of the day, I'm the manager. I'm the assistant manager, whatever. But then we move on from that. And I think the reason GameStop gets from its ex-employees, I think a part of the reason it gets so much flack is because they work for poor leadership or they just don't like who they work with. Yeah. So that, like, changes their disposition on it. And now they're sitting here saying how – this job sucks or da da da. It's like, no, bro, like, you just don't like it. That's and I remember talking to somebody before I left, and it was like, 
yo, you know, I'm talking to him. I applied. He was like, wow, Tim, you missed the GameStop. You finally leaving? I was like, yeah, man. And I was like, wow. I was like, well, honestly, I'm tired of retail. If I could migrate to another area of GameStop where I could stay, I would be more than happy with that. Yeah. But I'm just tired of retail. I'm tired of a, yeah, like, no for example, I remember movie. setting up a cell. Like, I remember coming in early, like two hours early. I came in like six in the morning to set up this cell. I set it up like an hour or two in a day. They said it was like a misprint on the thing and then take it down. So I'm like, I came in, I lost sleep over this cell, right? So there have been other times where it's like, I right, set up the cell last minute or, hey, this cell ends on this day, but it's doing so well, yeah. keep it going. Yeah, you know, That's retail. Next Thursday, right? And you're like, what are you talking about? Right, but how do you forget to? Why? How did you forget to tell me about this? But and that's that's retail, and I think a lot of people yeah, can't sucks. separate. They can't separate like the company from like the industry. Like to them, it's the same thing. So like you work at SolidWorks, and like yo, I hate SolidWorks. People always coming mad. Well, dude, that's food service. That has yeah. nothing to do with SolidWorks. Like I you can say I hate SolidWorks because of the like menu. All right, that's specific to SolidWorks. You know what I mean? But. I just a lot of people can't separate the two, you know, and it kind of it kind of yeah. it, it it gives company bad raps. Dog, that Worst raps than they deserve. It, the the shit that makes a job like GameStop sick, if that's like your first game, or one of your first jobs, is that right. if you are interested in gaming, be prepared to have your gamer score because you're just gonna be able to get a bunch of shit that you couldn't afford. Oh yeah. Oh, the yeah. main perk was that it was like. What is it like twenty percent? It was like a big percentage off if you were buying games. You could just and it stacked with your it stacked with your GameStop card. Too. Stack with your GameStop card. You could take games home. So like, let's say a new game came out and you was like, I don't want to spend sixty five, sixty four dollars. I don't know if I'm right. You know, you wait a week or two. Somebody returns it. Now you're like, that's the game I'm taking home for right. Like, <laughs> Like four days or something, you know. Yep, it was four days. It was take four it, days. Take it home, play Bulletstorm all day, and you're like, it's all right. Hey, just well, kidding. Well, and th and th to, to that point, that Bulletstorm, that's a good one. Uh, uh, that was free on PlayStation Plus like a year or two ago, and I downloaded I still ain't played it. But, Bulletstorm but is a shit. To your point, and kind of like just the married two points that we talking about, like taking a new game home and not working for a company, working for people, is – I remember like, my store eventually became the hub store for trainers, like or not for trainers, but for promotions. Like if you want to get promoted, you came to my store, got you squared away, and I sent you on your way. I remember this one guy came from Broad Hunting Park, or as they say in Philly, Broad Hunting Park. Broad Hunting Park. That's where I got my PS4 from. Yeah, shout out to them. He came to my store. He wanted to check something out. And I'm like, yeah, you could check something out. And he's like, all right, I'll bring it back. And he said, he said today. And I'm like, um, all right, yeah, you can bring it back early if you want. And he said, early. I'm like, yeah, it won't be due back until the day after that. And he was like, I thought the day that you checked it out count. And I'm like, I don't count the day you check it out because you're yeah. at work. Yeah. Like, you, you can't check it out unless you, like, I'm not going to have you come up here on your day off to check out the game. Yeah. And he was like, you know, he was like, dang, they don't do that at my store. Hey, look, man, you don't work for a company. You work for people, bro. When I, when I would go to the South Philly GameStop by my grandma's house, and them niggas had a, a – they were watching movies. I was like, why can't I watch movies? I was like, what are you talking about? But there's – They were in there watching Star Wars, and it was like – it wasn't distracting. It just was on. And it was just like, for the downtime you have, you just look over like, damn, that's sick. 
Oh, well, right. there's, there's, there's lax bosses and then there's bosses that get you. I won't create the, I, I never create the opportunity for y'all to get in trouble. Yeah. Y'all got in trouble, y'all got in trouble on your own. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to create the opportunity. And I, I don't know, like, I don't know, I will feel weird. You, you don't think there's something wrong with that? Like, if I Yo, knew you know, for wait. Fact, if I knew for a fact that, like, get, that would get you in trouble, I wouldn't put you in that position. Yeah. Yo, I ran into some dude at a, at a party right before COVID, uh, <coughs> right before COVID happened. Maybe he like says that. as he calls. <coughs> Damn. Yeah, I'm smoking a jewel. I might have popcorn lung. But right, um, right before the end of the end of last year, I went to some party, and there was a guy that used to work at the at the Andorra one. I think you were telling me about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forget his fucking name. He's a friend of my boy, and uh-huh. I was like, "Damn!" I was like, "Because hey, I had worked at that one a couple times for them." When like somebody would call out and shit. Mm-hmm. You know, and I go to the suburbs. I go to I go to fucking Andorra. Andorra is technically Philly, but it is like that, like part of the house that you forget about. It's like that yeah. extension that you add on after the fact. Yeah, that's Andorra, Andorra. because it like borders Bluebell. No, wait, but not... it's also Philly. <coughs> nah, what am I talking about? I'm ta- I'm thinking. Nah, that's not what the I'm one near Roxborough. That doesn't. Uh, border Bluebell. Yes, it does. Border blue. It borders Bluebell and it borders Roxborough. Bluebell's up three hundred nine, right? I don't think so. It bordered like it's like Roxborough. I think the next town over is like technically Conchi and then Plymouth Meeting. Well, Ambler isn't. No, not Ambler. Um, um, Andorra is yeah. like if you. On Ridge if you, Ave. Yeah. Ridge Ave. Mm-hmm. Henry Ave. Right, I think the address is like eighty five hundred Henry, something like that. Damn. That's all those store lookups, bro. That's all those store lookups. Yeah. They they ingrained in my head those addresses. It is technically Philadelphia. I thought that was uh. Hey, when in doubt, go off a zip code, bro. You see one nine one, that's Philly. Yeah, but this is a uh... yeah. It's before. It's between Roxborough Mania and between that and Lafayette Hill and Plymouth Meeting. Windmore. Windmore doesn't even count as a real place. I think I know Bluebell's not too far from there. Bluebell's up three oh nine, dog. What are you talking? You keep saying I'm, I'm, maybe I'm thinking something else. You thinking of something else? Yeah, you thinking of something else? Because Bluebell is like, yeah, get on three oh nine and go, Bluebell. Maybe I'm thinking. Yeah, Blue Bluebell is way up Monco, dog. Bluebell. I don't know. What am I thinking about then? I don't know. It's gonna be something it's, funny. Man. I'm a, I, I, I think when I see it, I'm like, oh, that's not Bluebell is right above Plymouth Meeting. All right, so that's not too far from yeah. Andorra. That's not if, too if far. It says yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, because it's next to Fort Washington. Now this is the this is the the Google Maps pod. Right. <laughs> yeah. Peep the transitions. The transitions are are, are, transition. are flawless. Yeah. Yeah, that definitely was like if I could go back to cause I worked a bunch of shitty jobs, man. All my jobs when I first started working from like age sixteen or seventeen to up until very recently, like even the job I have now gets on my goddamn nerves. But I've, I, it's been so hard for me to avoid like frustrating and either either I like what I do, but the pay is like really bad, 
Mm-hmm. Past five years, I've just been getting underpaid in my own in my own trade. I think. I, well, first of all, it's tough to find a good paying job, especially if you got expenses. You know, you got you're in a relationship. You got, uh, you got family. Bills, you got family. You got to like, take care of yourself. Thing. It's like just take right. care of yourself. It's like it's fun. everything is so fucking expensive. It is. It is. So it's a tough. But I will say this about uh uh, it's like you gotta take a. You only can control what you can control. You can't directly control how much you get paid, but you can't control how much you spend. I've worked with some people, even to this day, um, who will literally eat out every day for lunch. Like yeah. literally every, every day for lunch, they'll, they'll eat out. And yeah. um, they'll sit there and complain about how they don't have any money. Like they're not there. They're, when they go grocery shopping, they only go in at the expensive places, buying name brands. They eating out every day, every night. They going to Wawa every chance they get, and they'll sit there and complain about how much money they got. Where it's like, dude, you could literally make a meal for a week for ten bucks. You can find some ground beef on sale, like a pound yeah. of ground beef. Get some pasta and some some pasta sauce. Now you got spaghetti for less than ten dollars. Man, you can hit up Aldi. Aldi is super cheap, and I feel like people look at like money, like saving money, is an inconvenience. That's crazy to me. Like, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of su- there's like a lot of subsections of like spending versus saving and how much of, like how much time you should spend focusing on saving money versus what you choose to spend on. I do think like one thing that I never really considered until recently in my life is that some people's circumstances with even something like meal prepping are so dire that it's like. Let's say you're working two jobs. It's like, well, when are you going to be home to meal prep? Let's say, right. let's say, let's say you are working at a, you're living in a place with like a shitty kitchen or sometimes no kitchen. It's like, well, how are you going to, how are you going to make, how are you going to make meals? Like, I don't have right. a kitchen. I don't have a kitchen right now because I'm, I'm working on it. It's my fault. But it's like, <laughs> well, that goes a long way. You I don't, have, I don't have, I haven't had a kitchen this entire time I've, we've lived in this house, you know. I got hot well, plates set up and shit like that. But it's like, well, it's, it is harder to do some, sometimes you just got to be like, I have to keep doing work. Let me order. I, I agree. I think, I guess the point that I'm making now is. You see people with reckless spending complaining about. Well, par- partially, but like, like it's, it's kind of like this. If you know you got a broken arm, don't try to do push-ups. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and you can't you can't continue to do push ups and say your arm only hurts because it's broken. And completely yeah. take the fact that you're doing push ups out of the picture. Yeah, like but how how that. long are you supposed to go without doing push ups? Is it is it until is your it, arm heals? Is it eight like, months or is it, is no, it, it it's kinda years? like this. It's kinda like maybe it's kinda like this. I'm gonna take your your thing with the kitchen. I'm gonna use your specific example as the perfect example. Yeah. You could have went, I ain't got a kitchen, I can't shop, F it. You could have you could have said that. But you didn't. You said, you know, I'm gonna get some hot plates. That's what I'm talking about. Like stuff like that. Like, is it the best scenario? No. Do you gotta work two jobs to get your kitchen to work? Yeah, of course. And and I think a lot of people hearing what I got to say might be like, oh, he on his hot horse, blah, 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 blah. What I'm saying is you got sayers and you got doers. And I think the people who sit here and say, the reason I'm in my situation right now is solely because of how much I get paid. I think that's no accountability there. 
You can say, I don't have a kitchen. I can't afford to get the kitchen, so I got to work two jobs. And neither one of my jobs can cover the cost of my kitchen, but I can still go out and get hot plates. So I can, I can go and do that and, you know what I mean, accept responsibility for that. You know what I'm saying? I, I, instead, instead of just being like, oh, woe is me. I don't get paid enough. There's nothing I can do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's necessarily woe is me. I, I, I've been realizing lately this past year and a half that there is that – how do I say this? Yeah, every, everyone's situation is different. And that, you know, some people can make something out of nothing. But I think obstacles in people's lives, like wages, you know, they don't get solved by people not talking about them and not being being vocal about I don't being like, I don't think this is enough. Even if they can afford to eat out every day and buy, buy certain things, it's like they can be right in saying that it's not enough. It's not, I mean, it's not a secret that, like, in the past 40 years in this country, uh, expenses have gone up across the board, whether you're talking about housing or education or, like, you know, cars, anything. Like, every everything that we need to live has gone up. And the one thing that has not gone up is wages. And the one the people that have really hurt the most are the people who are entering the workforce every year. Every young person that gets a job when they're 18, 21, 22, getting out of high school, getting out of college, they are automatically making less than the person that was there before them. So it, it is frustrating to see those young people, like, or to see people, regardless of their age, kind of just be like, it sucks. I don't make enough money. Uh, I agree. I think two things can be true. Yeah I, think, yeah. I think, I think two things can be true. I think, I think you can recognize that you make, you don't make enough for your living situation or a certain job or the industry or account, whatever thing you want to point at say that it's not enough, it's insufficient, but also uh, uh, take accountability on for the things that you do have in control. And yeah. I think this just kind of goes back to my previous statement where I can't control directly. Like I get one raise a year. Like if I get one raise a year and I know that, okay, I'm going to work my tail off for that 12 months until I can get to that year point and, and pack my raise. But in the meantime, and I can sit here and say this whole time, like, I do not get paid enough. You know, I got food in my kid's mouth. I got to do this. I got to do that. And also at the same time, go, you know what? You know what? So-and-so said they would let me use a microwave until I can get put together. Or, you yeah. know, like, you know what I mean? And any parent, and this is the thing I love about parents, any parent can tell you how, how important being resourceful is. How many times did you wake up think, like, you know what? I'm not, I don't know how I'm going to put food on a table or you know what I don't know how I'm gonna put food in my kids mouths or whatever and you still find a way to do it yeah that's resourceful resourcefulness and I think people who find a way to be resourceful should be proud of themselves and take that next step but I think the people who just wake up and go you know what I can't feed my kids because I don't get paid enough like no that won't do you know get up find something yeah you don't get paid enough I understand I empathize that sucks but what are you going to do about it? Okay. I guess that's, that's my stand. And, and, and not everybody's going to like to hear that, but yeah. I mean, it is what it is, you know? Yeah. The, I think the argument for me is that like, it's not like obstacles don't exist in life is that some obstacles can, can and should be removed. 
Like you will always have different circumstances based off of who you are and where you were raised and your environment. Of course. But of course. instead of society as a whole just accepting certain certain barriers, certain things that just are like not good collectively. Again, for like mostly younger people, people our age and younger who are entering the workforce, it's like we we're seeing now people our age putting off things that our our parents and grandparents and a generation before them didn't have to people are putting off college they're putting off buying a home they're putting off starting a family and this isn't just these aren't just the people that we talk about who like are consciously making bad decisions consciously try these are people who are like trying very hard but it's like if you take all the money that you your expenses and you take your income and at the end of that month you have 75 dollars that's a very that's a dire situation and i i sympathize for those people i sympathize for that person who due to life circumstances maybe had a maybe had a child at a young age and now they they have and or or didn't have the benefit of having both parents in the household uh or or moved out early on and didn't have a kid and then they didn't have that stability of i can always go back to mom and dad i gotta i gotta i sympathize for those people i really really do um because I agree with you, you know, you can have a kid at 25, 26, 27, you can have a kid at 35, whatever. Now your current lifestyle won't do. What are you going to do to kind of like deal with that? You know what I mean? I guess it's tougher for me to sympathize for that person who could have been working at McDonald's at 18, but because they're too proud, because they're too proud to flip a burger, they waited until they realized until they're 22 or 23 and they're like, you know what? All right, let me go to McDonald's now. And they're at 23 going, well, this ain't enough money for me. Well, you would have had five years worth of experience working if you just swallowed, bit the yeah. bullet and went in 18. I guess that's where, I guess the difference, my different stance of where you, um, where you are. My, my, for the people who, who are living as best they can, for the people who were not lazy, and for the people who pulled themselves up by their bootstraps. They maybe made some mistakes. Hey, when we're young, we make mistakes. You know, maybe you had an unexpected pregnancy. Uh, maybe you uh, made a mistake and you got, you know, locked up and now you're coming out at 25 years. Things sick. like that. Yeah. Those are outside your control. Like, I get that piece. But you just chilling at home, not working because, you know, mommy is paying my cell phone bill. And then you're yeah. 30 and you turn around and be like, oh, that minimum wage ain't enough for a 30-year-old. Well, of course it's not. You're not supposed to be applying for a job at 30 for the first time. Yeah, I guess that's where I'm at with it. You know what I mean? Like, I sympathize with some people. Other people, I just, it's tougher for me to do that. I think it's uh, a little unfair to laborers of all skill levels to to be told that when, no matter, again, no matter what age you start working, that when you start working, you are not going to be able to sustain yourself no matter what. Because that's kind of what the math works out now. Like if some, if you get a job right now in PA at seven, what is it, seven fifty or seven twenty-five? There's no way for you to live by yourself at all. Whether you find an apartment, it's like your 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 rent should be a third of your income. Your other expenses should be roughly around a third, maybe forty percent, and the rest is for you. That should be what you should be saving. I think I think when you look at like inflation, you look at wages not raising. It's like, yeah, somebody is like, why would I go work at McDonald's? They start at seven fifty. I'm not I'm not gonna some people are just working 
just to be able to afford to go back to work the next day. So, and so I, let me, I, I think you get into a, a, a vicious cycle of like, because your job is so low wage, you can you are afraid to take those chances that will make you more successful. Like it is, it is harder for you to justify going to college because the hours that you work are erratic and you can't, you can't guarantee you'll be able to make it for classes. You don't have the experience in a field that you want to get into. So you've been working at a certain job. And that doesn't mean that like, I don't, I don't think that the argument is every job, everybody's not going to be a millionaire. And I don't of course. think everybody, some people are laborers. And I think that the basic needs need to be met so that if people do show the initiative and they do want to like progress further in life, they can do so at like a like a manageable rate. It shouldn't take you ten years to do something that takes other people four because they they already have the resources to get their college paid off, get their first car paid for. It's like there's like if you're looking for a job right now, let's say you're seventeen, you probably like like my little brother is seventeen, and there's a lot of young kids who like the first thing you want to do when you when you start working is get a car, not because like you want to be able to go uh, to parties and see family and stuff. It's like, well, if I get a car, that increases my chances of like getting a better job. Because now I can now I can go anywhere within an hour and a half radius and potentially make more money. There's there's so many ways that specifically in this city, it could be a lot easier on younger workers, younger labor, uneducated people, people who are like 18, 19, haven't been to college, only have their high school de- degree. There's a lot of ways to fuel uh, progressive and like well-rounded people that we that the the entire country is behind on. It's like if you if you just raised minimum wage by inflation, yeah, people would probably be more willing to start new, to start fresh, if they knew that their bills could be. You know, they they wouldn't be like people will like pay uh, temp agencies pay all these places that can kind of guarantee them a 13 and $14 an hour job where it probably should already, the minimum wage should be around there so that you could, every time, every time you, you reach a group of people entering the workforce, they don't have to make as drastic decisions for the rest of their life because so let they, me, they picked the wrong field. Let me ask you this, um, because I'm not afraid to say that I disagree with a lot of, you know, I think a lot of people, and, and I apologize if I lose you some listeners, but I'm just a guest. They probably, I don't care. <laughs> like, I don't yeah. care. He, he not sweet dog, whatever. I'll, I'll never have to see him again. Um, <laughs> but, but um, I'm not, I think a lot of people are uh, intimidated by that mob to, to bring it full circle, see how we do. Uh, I think a lot of people are intimidated by that mob mentality to say a lot of these thoughts and opinions because they feel like they're going to get attacked or God forbid canceled, right? That's another topic. But um, I will ask you this. Let me ask you this. In your opinion, and try to answer as concisely as you can, who is a minimum wage job for? Any, anybody who needs a job. They you think a minimum wage, wage job is for anyone who needs a job? Anybody who is changing fields, anybody who is entering the workforce, anybody that's on their way out of the workforce. The point is that anybody, anybody can get any job. So, like, the idea that certain jobs are paying so below living wage is kind of ridiculous. So, let me tell you. So, then let me ask you this. So, minimum wage job is for anybody. Mm-hmm. 
So if a minimum wage job is for anybody, I guess I'm gonna throw the logic right back at you. Why isn't it higher? Because uh, business uh, capitalism tells us that you can't pay people a living wage for multiple reasons. Because you don't you don't want them to get comfortable and believe that they can do more in their lives. You don't want them to have to the financial standing to step away from the job. You want people to be reliant on the job. You want people to be so they can't even imagine losing their job. Because even if they had to find another job, they would already be two weeks to a month late on their next paycheck. Also, it's like they tell people like if you raise wages, then then the price of goods will go up go up. But that's a lie. Because every like I said earlier, the price of everything is going up. College is going up, home ownership the price of owning a home rent is going up. So it's like even without like minimum wage has changed twice in the past twenty five years. It's like even without minimum wage going up, you see rent skyrocket, college in the city skyrocket. It's all right so what is so what is what is really going on? Either either people can't be paid because it takes away from someone else's at the top's income, or they just don't believe that people deserve the a job that pays them to live. You know, I think um, minimum wage is a, a, a any wage is an arbitrary number. It's somebody somewhere going this amount of work is worth this much money. Yeah. Can we agree there? Somebody somewhere, whether it be a corporation, whether it be a state, whether it be whatever it is, a government, whatever, they say this amount of money is worth this much work. Excuse me. Yeah, that's what the yeah. thought, that, that's what the thought yeah, process sure. is. Right? So let's say the minimum wage gets raised to $12 an hour, $15 an hour, $20 an hour, right? Now, me already at $20 an hour, how much more should I get paid? It should be adjusted based off the math. It should, it should be adjusted. But we're still doing the same amount of work. It should be adjusted based off, because that's, that's what I mean. It's like if you go 40, if you go since inflation, since the minimum wage created, the, it has been behind inflation. So the argument is not that just people at the bottom minimum wage are, are making less than they should. The argument is that most working class and even upper middle, like pe people's wages are so behind us. Like that's why you see, again, people not living the lives that their parents and their grandparents live because wages are severely behind. I guess, I guess where I'm catch, at with catch it everybody is, up. I guess, I guess where, where I'm at is I feel like, and this is a feeling, this isn't, um, this is a, a hot button topic that I feel like a lot of people disagree on because when, when I, it's easy when you express somebody, when you express your feeling, it automatically feels like you're invalidating somebody else's, right? If we, you and I both went outside and I was like, oh man, it's hot outside. And you go, oh, it's not hot to me. It's easy for me to feel like, oh, you saying, I don't think it's hot, et cetera, et cetera. And I think when you had this topic, you had a discussion. I can understand what people feeling like they feel about needing to get more money. I just feel like the mentality that I've had is in life, you don't always get what you want. 
And it's like, you look at a situation, you look at something and you go, this is unfair. Okay, everybody agrees, this is unfair. Well, what are you gonna do yeah. about it? Kind of like, and I think, I think, just going back to the topic we discussed earlier, I have more um, admiration for that person who goes, you know what? This job ain't enough. I got to get another one. I feel bad for them. I empathize for them with them because I've been there before. And I feel, I feel like, you know, damn, this person can't spend time with their kids now or can't participate in their hobby or can't even get online and play Xbox with me because they got to go and get two hours of sleep before they get up and get another job. I empathize yeah. for that person. But the reason I admire that person is that person didn't go, man, this job don't pay enough, man. This job don't pay enough and didn't do anything about it and go like, man, society and all this stuff. They point to all these different things as to why the job don't pay enough. Okay, the job don't pay enough. We established that. Inflation didn't happen. We established that. The minimum wage is too low. We established that. Like, okay, all of that is true. What are you going to do about it? And I guess that's kind of like where I'm at because like when people go, how would you feel? You get it raised. Like after, after a while, after a while, if me and you were going to go play ball, um, it was probably a horrible example for me because I suck at basketball. But let's say you and I were, were to go play basketball. And every time we went to go play, I'm on your team because we ride. We Germantown, G-Town, baby. Yeah. The right. Right. <laughs> You, we riding together. We ride together. We die together. Tim on my team all the time. And I'm bricking all the time. And he's like, Tim, damn, but you know, why you keep missing your shots? I'm like, oh, my wrist, man. My wrist hurt. All right, cool. Next game. Hey, Tim, why you keep missing these shots? Oh, man, the, the, rim, the court is too high, man. Like, whatever. It's like, okay. Next game. All right, Tim, why you keep missing shots? Oh, man, the court is just too high. By the fourth and fifth, the sixth game, you can be like, Tim, everybody knows and recognizes the court is too high. We understand the yeah, court is too we high. We know the court is too high. Like, we get it. What are you going to do about it? How are you going to adjust your game yeah, what you, to yeah, account what, for that court? What you would do is you would get you would find whoever's in charge of who controls the height of the rim. <laughs> you, go, you go, I need this shit changed because it's fucked up. No, nah, I, I would Okay, I would do, hold on, hold on. This is, the, this, is the, this is the inflation calculator, right? Okay. And this is inflation. You pick a year, you put a dollar amount. And it tells you how much money that is worth today, how that $1 is worth today. So I'm putting in seven twenty-five, dollars right? Mm -hmm. Now, there were a lot of people making seven twenty-five dollars in that time, and they were not necessarily poverty line people because the minimum wage was actually three twenty. dollars But in January 1975, that seven twenty-five is worth $36 now. So okay. that those are our parents and grandparents who made again, they'll be like, I'm like, I worked for a guy for four years and he would be like, you know, when I started, I made $10 an hour. He's like, I made $10 an hour, but it was the early nineties. So that, that amount of money changes so fast that like, so uh, it, by it, that same logic, like rent, let's say rent is 700, seven, that's about average. And like, in, I know in like certain parts of Germantown rent ranges from 700 to 850 a month. Does it reverse inflation? Can you put a dollar amount in and it tells you what it was back in the day? What rent is? Well, you could, yeah, you could, you could, well, this is just for the do, just a dollar. It's not for, because what affects, what if, especially what affected like rent and housing back then was like redlining and like specific laws that like helped keep certain neighborhoods a certain amount of money relative to what people were making. 
So, yes, like, there have been points over history where there could be a lot of cheaper rent for people who are poverty line and low income. But those that housing also specifically was, like, probably over-policed, probably not as nice, probably, like, with tenant with, like, landlords from hell, where, like, your sink would be backed up, your toilet would be backed up, and nobody would come. It's like, it's like uh, good times. It's like super comes through. He doesn't do shit. He just right. Like, there was less regulation to force your landlord to take care of you. Right, but I'm I'm just trying to use the parameters that you're using. Yeah. So you're saying if the seven twenty, yeah, seven twenty five in 1975 is thirty six dollars now. How much was? Um, see, I want to know if you can do Pick the inverse. Here. Like if 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 how much like seven hundred dollars now or eight hundred dollars now is how how was worth how much? Oh, how to how to find that? Yeah, like how to inverse it. Like if say, hey, how much is eight? I I guess I could pull it up and look too, but this your show, brother. Hold on, let me hold on, let me pee real quick. I'll be right back. All right, all right. <laughs> I guess I'll look that up. All right, I feel like I feel like we're getting we're getting into a, a hot a hot zone right now. This is this is very interesting. Yeah, it, I agree. But just so I know, I want to be valuable your time. How much how much time do you usually go for? Whenever, whenever it's whenever you feel like. I don't care. Okay. All right. Yeah. yeah well, we I got I got a little, I got a little bit more in me before before I hop off and get. Yeah, done. we could do another fifteen or twenty. Yeah, a, yeah, yeah. Another this five. Fun, I don't care. Yeah. It, so this, this is where it gets interesting because I I just want to I just want to put the actual minimum wage back then. So in the eighties, it was like around three twenty. Yeah, it got changed. It was three. It was three ten in nineteen eighty. And just to see what that dollar is worth now. That's around ten dollars an hour. That's minimum wage. That's minimum wage back then. Is I think, the, I think what gets lost in, in I, don't, I don't know how to articulate what I'm about to say. Expenses are different too. Yeah. I think what gets lost in inflation calculators <clears throat> is. I guess this is the best way I can word what I'm trying to say. If I think the best way to. Um, make the argument that you're making um, and that people on your side of the fence are making is to see what the the, the expenses were. So like, for example, yeah. right now for like my, I'll go off in my last apartment and I did, I, I will admit I did catch a deal, but I just knew how to haggle. But my apartment in Mount Airy was 700 bucks a month. Yeah. That, that was, that was, that was how much I had to pay for, uh, for rent. You take 725, let's say even at 40 hours a week, I'm working 725 at 40 hours a week, whatever that dollar amount is a month, what's the difference between that dollar amount and $700, right? I think you yeah. would have to go back to 1975, take $3.20, take whatever the rent was a month. Yeah, so month. there was, yeah, there, there, I forget the math for that, but it used to be like, it used to be like, I think like three months of your income should be able to buy your car. A full year should buy you a house, right? Or something like that. Like from well, a bank. I, I guess what so I'm you, saying so you, is. Oh, I'm trying to find a, I think I found this thing. It's the I price guess what I'm saying home. is inflation won't, the inflation argument is tough to make if the dollar difference would have been 100, 200, 300, $400 either way. You see what I'm saying? Like well, no. if back in the day, if I was getting paid minimum wage and my rent was $100 a month, if the the wage to income the, the the wage to expense difference was 
$100 back then and it's $100 now, or it was $200 back then, it's $200 now. And inflation is kind of irrelevant at that point. Yeah, but yeah, but we already established that the the expenses of each of each major purchase that people needs to make are drastically different. They're drastically higher. Like college, for example, like even uh, like the hours that a minimum wage worker needed to work to put themselves to uh, college, and in seventies was like twenty or thirty hours a week, and now mm-hmm. you need you need seventy hours above minimum wage if you were going to pay completely out of pocket? I don't think minimum wage is for, so where I agree with you at is, and um, where I know some people may take the wrong way, is I think, I know you, you may find yourself in situations where you got to work minimum wage. And I understand that. You could be incarcerated and coming out and you got to get where you can get, get whatever job you can get. You could have an unexpected pregnancy. Um, you could have been a full-time student and now that didn't work out and now you got to get a normal job, but you've been in school for four years and, you know, now you got to get, I understand that. So I don't want anybody to sit here and and take what I'm saying as you shouldn't be 30, 40, 50, 60 and work a minimum wage job. But what I'm saying is the idea is if you were working since you were able to work, you shouldn't be ideally holistically, you shouldn't be in a situation where you're working a minimum wage job. If you were working as early as you could work, I started working at 14 years old through a a work ready youth works program. And then I started working at 16 years old, like legally, like before the minimum hiring age in a lot of different places was 18. I started working at 16 because that was the minimum higher wage. So if I started working at like McDonald's or a grocery store or a movie theater at 16 years old, at 21 years old, I'm not making what I was making at 16 years old. And then maybe if I go to a different job, now I got five years of experience because I've been working since I was 16. Another thing that we got to take into account is a lot of people are job hoppers. Like a lot of people they view as like consistency as a, a negative for some reason. I work with some people and they go, man, I've been at this job for seven years. Like it's a bad thing. That's awesome. You were able to hold a paying job, good or otherwise, but you were able to hold a paying job for seven years. You should be proud of that. Why are we looking down on like consistency yeah. is like a negative? You unless, know what I mean? I think unless that job doesn't raise your wages, like with a number by inflation, right? Because it's like if you are not consistently being met up at the at the bare minimum, right? By by what the what math says the dollars work. If every year you're working for, if you work for a company for seven years and you have not gained more money there, each year that, technically each year that you stay there after that first one, right, because you are not getting raises, you are not getting adequate raises, you are technically each year losing more money because you... Well, in the scenario I'm giving, you are getting raises. You're getting raises, but I yeah. think regardless of how much you're paid, if you're not getting raised, you could be getting paid really, really well. Yeah. You're not... If you're not getting raises, I think everybody would agree that maybe you should be that job. I just the argument kind of sounds like it sounds I'm like making, uh, fifty. I'm making fifty, sixty, seventy, a hundred, one fifty, two hundred k a year, and let's say I get hurt and I can't make that income anymore, and let's say my um, uh, medical leave or you know my FMLA or, or whatever the case may be only gets me fifty k a year. If my lifestyle was set at 90K a year, the 50K in enough. 
So I think I, I, it's not, I agree that like the minimum needs to be looked at. But I think the thing is, it's like you can't change the minimum wage. We can scream and shout until our faces turn blue. But the, the minimum wage is the minimum wage. What are you going to do about it? Yeah, but that's what that's what people are saying. People are trying to change it because the argument is not about lifestyle. It's not about people who are young and want to go out versus the people who want to save and uh, start a family. The argument is that the baseline for expenses, that number is not enough. If you are any person entering the workforce and you have to get that, because like we're also blessed to live in a top 10 city in North America with a mm-hmm. lot, with a lot of different opportunities, a lot of different fields and everybody isn't, there's a town outside of Memphis that last year, uh, over 2000 jobs were lost from multiple, from multiple, uh, major companies laying off. Mm-hmm. Workers. So it's like, people take the best uh, opportunity that, that they have. People don't just like, I know, like, yeah, a lot of people work minimum wage jobs, but if the second someone like, yeah, job popping is like, people don't job pop because like it's a 25 cent difference. People job pop because they see a better opportunity for their life sometimes. So the argument is not that raising the minimum wage will bring everyone to uh, middle class, upper middle class status overnight. Right. It's not that like people who people who will be getting minimum wage will all of a sudden be buying uh, expensive cars and doing all this wild stuff. The argument is that they will be able to pay rent at a rate where if something happens to them, like if they lose their job or if like their company gets shut down, there's a lot of companies, there's a lot of people getting laid off right now with no warning. There's a, there was an article about like Ruby Tuesdays. They shut down like 75 stores. They didn't give anybody a heads up. They, they mm-hmm. called, they called all their store managers. They said, you're shutting down tomorrow. Don't tell anybody. And there's a bunch of people showing up to their jobs and they don't have a job anymore. Now, the amount of money that those people make, they need a certain amount to stay alive. Even if they go out and they find a job that day, it will take them a week, maybe two, maybe longer than that to get their first paycheck. Should they be so reliant on this job that is, that is very quick to just cast them aside, you know, regardless of their, their social or living state, like they could be formerly homeless, they could not have any family, they could have family but out of town, they could be anybody. But the argument is that should these companies have such a grip on people entering or trying to leave or at any stage in the workforce that they will sacrifice a lot of like sometimes self-respect, sometimes dignity, sometimes they will get broken by the, the job market. Should should these companies have this much power over somebody? Should you? I mean, what's the alternative? The alternative is you pay people enough to where, if you do lose your job, if if Amazon closes down your factory, right, you won't be able to live forever, you know, off the money that you saved, but you will be able to like, you know, take a week or two to find a new job. You won't be put into dire straits. And you see what happens when people are in dire straits, they do wild things because they don't. That sounds like to me, that's more on um, people. Your listeners going to hate me. <laughs> uh, P- P- that sounds like to me that like, I-, I feel like what I'm hearing is this person should have enough money to live without having to work at the job. Is that what you're saying? For maybe a week. So they're not working at that job, but they should have enough money 
So where's that money coming from? The money comes from literally the bloated uh, industry of middle management. No, no, no. I'm sorry. Where, where, where is the money that that person who just oh, the, got low? The federal. Like, no, I'm saying like they should, they should, ha- they should make enough money by the hour that if okay, let's say they do. Well, let's say they do. They do make enough money by the hour. Let's yeah. say whatever that dollar amount needs to be. Yeah. And then they get let go, and it, they just have money. Yeah, because the because the argument is that if your living expenses are less, if you are if you are making enough money, right? If you are making enough at a at a basic dollar amount, so that your rent is only a third, is around a third or less than your than your monthly income, that your your vehicle, your transportation is around it's like what seven percent or ten percent, and stuff like that. If you can, if the weight, whatever the but the budget that you can find on any a uh, consumer website or business insider that says this is the percentage of money you should be putting in uh, X, Y, and Z. Right, right. Of course, of course. People, if based off that, you know, we know that like you should be able to take a week off of work if you have to. It should not. It should not make you homeless. Right. No. I. Okay. Yeah. So I'm trying to work within your scenario. So they get paid enough money, and they get let go, and they had this money. So that would imply that they saved it. In a sense, or, you know, because they lost that job, they were able to pull from their other expenses for emergency rations. Because it's like, nope, like we just spent a whole year talking about during the presidential like uh, primaries and stuff with like Yang. He's like, most Americans don't have an emergency $500 savings account. Most people do not, like not just like poor people. I'm talking about like, over 50% of the, the country is unprepared for a $500 unexpected expense. So, like, again, the, the argument is not that people should be so well off that they do whatever they want, that they don't, they don't value work. The, the argument is that their wor- work should value them, should value each employee, and say that if I'm going to hire you, then I also believe that you should be able to be able to rent by yourself, get reliable transportation here, and, um, you know, have a cell phone. So at what point do we put, I think my biggest gripe, the more I start to look inward at myself and my own point of view, at what point do we take accountability? I feel like every time I've heard this portion of the argument, like this side of the argument, I think, and of course this sounds biased, but I think I've done a good job of saying, yeah, of course there's people in um, adverse situations and one-off situations. Of course there's situations where minimum wage won't cut it. Of course they're entering the workforce or a brand new industry. They could have been working in sales for 50 years and there aren't any opportunities in sales and now they got to go to service. Like, of course, but I think is, I think what's frustrating is why is it that I can admit that there are scenarios where, yes, that's the case where people aren't getting paid enough or whatever the case may be, but on the other side of the argument, no one wants to go, oh, people should save better or people should take a look at their expenses or people should come up with a budget. The argument almost always seems to be on the, this invisible, like, I don't want to take accountability. It's not my fault. It's never my fault. Ah, but and people, there's yeah. no scenario 
where there will be my fault. Even though I don't have a car, even though I don't need a car, I got a car, so that's my job's responsibility. Even though I don't leave, uh, even though I don't need um, uh, a mini fridge in my bedroom, I got one, so my energy bill is higher. So now that's my job's responsibility. Like it just feels like there's a lack of accountability. It, it, like to say that for one, if you heard one person go, yeah, it sucks that some people can't make a living wage because they find themselves in tragic situations. Like they lost their house, like a hurricane, like someone who's been in a last disaster, like, and, and now they can't get a job and they got to move and now they got to work, you know, like all that stuff. Like they say, oh yeah, like those are situations. Those are one-offs. To hear somebody to be able to admit that, but then hear the other side go, Oh, it's never our fault. We not just we just not getting paid enough. Yeah, I don't I don't know like, I, I don't know how many people like, are you know? I don't know how many people are making that argument is that it's nobody's fault and that you shouldn't make a budget. It shouldn't matter because I I think the way that I got to this point was from people talking about budgeting and finances and investments and stuff. I think I think people got to this point because they did they're doing the math. They're doing the budgets for people at at the bottom. They're doing people they're doing the budgets for people with nothing, and they're saying if this person works as much as they can at this location, if they get a second job, that, that still isn't enough. You, you, you will get to the end of, you will get to the end of the month and you will have what an extra 40, 80, a hundred dollars. And they're saying, how can you, how can you advance yourself in life? If you're only, if you are only able to save at max around a thousand dollars a year. And the, only because the, amount the the value of that thousand dollars is drastically less than it was 25 years ago if i gave you an extra thousand dollars right now do you think you can make that work for you there's a difference in getting a thousand dollars all at once and then waiting 12 months to get it no i agree with you but if you're putting off a purchase i agree but the foundation the foundation of the point is still the same because if you saved it up over that 12 months you would still have it all at one time you're not spending it consistently you still got it so whether you it took twelve months to to have the thousand dollars, or I gave you the thousand dollars, you're still getting it at one time after that period of saving, right? If I gave that to you, at what point is it on you to decide what you do with it? I think it's a situation where it's like, yes, it's unfair. Like, there's this. I think the the core of my argument, the core, I guess, at the the most raw form, the most primitive point is going, hey, this is unfair. Oh, well, nothing I can do. Or going, hey, this is unfair. What can I do about it? I think some expert, some guy in the tie who doesn't even know what it's like to be poor, telling somebody who's poor, like, dang, man, it's not even your fault, bro. You can't even save because you're not making enough. And that person yeah. going, yeah, you're right. It's not my fault. I can't even save. I can't even make enough. And then they going, yeah, man, it's not my fault. Nobody, it's like, there's not that many, that's what I'm saying. Though. It's not that many people making that argument. They're like, there's looking at like some lazy piece of shit and be like, yo, man, your life would be all together if you made $15 an hour. People, what people is, again, what people are saying is that the math just does not add up. No, ma no matter what. And that's, no matter no, how, I agree. So that's if, we just, if we all, if we all say the math does not add up, let's make the math add up. Like $15 is not going to make you wealthy you're going to be still around the poverty line. You're still going to be poor at four, 13, 14, $15 an hour. You will not be taking multiple weeks off in a year. You won't be buying a bunch of things. You might be able to get, you'll be get, able to get takeout. And the argument is that by getting 
Chinese food two or three times a week, you should not be trapped in the vicious cycle of poverty because it is just math. And a lot of people don't have an understanding of math because schools don't teach you about personal finance. People don't talk about it's rude in the workplace to talk about how much you make. I worked for a guy and he'd be like, yeah, you don't want to talk to guys about how much. you make." But if I would have talked to guys about what they made, I would have realized that when he was paying me 10, there were guys who were starting off way. There was a guy starting off at 15 and 17. So there's all these all these barriers, not just from people's poor decisions, but also from like uh, work environments that tell you to like, just be like, look, man, everything is going to be fine. You're going to eventually get it. And for a lot of people who work really hard, yes, you will be able to like move forward and ascend the ranks. But the, again, the argument is that like to start off, you're starting off so behind. If you are entering the workforce with no experience, no education that it will make it incredibly tough for you unnecessarily to then go get an education, to then take the risk and look for another. Like, I didn't, when I was making $10 an hour, I never looked for another plumbing job. I never thought to go on Indeed or uh, Monster or whatever. It wasn't until I made even, I, it wasn't until I made $17 an hour when I said, wait, how much, how much money can I actually get? And you see that with a lot, you see that with a lot of poor and like, younger people and people who are entering the workforce with no experience is like they don't even know how to how to approach getting into the workforce because if they see a number they're assuming oh that must be or they hear a number they go oh that must be really good because minimum wage is 725 this is 1150 that must be really good in theory yes it is it is a good amount of money but even even with that you take your baseline expenses the cheapest rent you could find, the cheapest cell phone you can find, the not buying clothes, not buying shoes, anything. The math is so the room for error is like the it's so wide. Like everything that you do is a mistake. If you if you if you if you lose your trans now that this is different because they got a different system now. But like if you lost your transpass and you had to get another one, you're fucked. You're fucked for months. You got. But then don't lose your transpass. Every shit happens. What if you get robbed? I, and I agree. What if you get robbed? Like, at what point? <laughs> but at what point? I guess that's what I'm saying. Is like, at what point do you go? Okay, the math. Because I want to. I want to make sure I don't. Do you hold people stay too far away from your, your? Yeah, but no. Like, yeah, yes and no. So, like, at what point do you go? Everybody in the room. Can we? Everybody in the room. Can we agree that the math doesn't work? And everybody says yes. Like, okay. We agree that the math doesn't work out. This minimum, this, how much I make here doesn't work out here. Can everybody agree that that's the case? Yes. Okay. Great. We all agree. Like, okay. Like, all right. You all agree. The math doesn't work. Now what? And it's kind of, it's kind of like, it's kind of like this. You vote to change it. You get it. You get a change. If, every, if well, everybody's that's fine. That, yeah. that's fine. That's later on. I think, I think like, okay, the, 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 the math doesn't work out. We don't like the math. What can we do to change it? And you go, that's my point right there. What can we do to change it? And then you kind of go through the, but to just sit on your hands and go, I can't do this. I can't do that because of the way that things just are. Like, I'll never forget my fifth grade teacher told me, we used to all the time and we would say, that's, that's unfair. That's unfair. Like somebody in the class would say that's unfair. And her favorite line would be, life's not fair. Get over it. i never forget. Her name was Mrs. Whitehead. And if you went to past stories, you know who Mrs. Whitehead is. Like, she, I, I, and I thank her so much for that because 
it's one of those things where I think we try to put our mistakes or our scenarios as a responsibility for something else. If I came to you and I said, all right, dog, listen, want to make sure I pronounce all the G's, dog, listen, <laughs> I'm gonna give you this transpass. If you lose it, you will have to buy another one. Yeah. And your response is that's unfair. What's what I'm going to, sorry that it's unfair, but like, that's the way it is. It's, you don't like it. It's unfair. You're correct. You're a hundred percent right. Do you need to transpass? Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. What do you, if you lose it, you got to buy another one. Okay. And then you go and I like, I lost it, man. I got to pay for another one. That's unfair. That's not right. It's like, we acknowledge that already. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we, we it's, it's kind of like, it's kind of like, and I know what you're, I know, I know the point that you said, like, oh, no one's making an argument that I don't have to do anything because I don't get paid this or this is the case. I think there's exceptions to every rule. The math doesn't work for some people, but it does work for others. Not, but that's the thing. It doesn't. It does. I, I'm living proof. The, the math does not work. And you can get there's paid, no, what, what, paid $7.25 an hour for a 17 year old who lives at home with both parents with no expenses okay. works. Hold on, hold on. It yeah, works. I guess it, that for works. Some right, it, it does work. How but many people a, are like that? 30, but a th for a 30 year old father, a single father of two, of two boys at home who just got fired from his 15 year job at the construction site who has to start over with no college degree, $7.25 doesn't work. I agree. So I, th I think that's the same when you say, so you're, like, saying, you're putting you're that, that person, you're saying that income, the income works if you already have another stream of income, if your income is supplemented, if you're staying home with your parents, you do not have to pay rent. You do not have to pay $700. You might have to pay 250 or 150. So your income is adjusted for what you make, right? If you're staying home with two parents and you are get, you are not paying, you don't have to buy groceries. You buy what you want. If you, if you're, if your parents are making spaghetti, you eat the $10 spaghetti. If you want steak, you buy the $15 steak. So your, your income is adjusted by your, by your situation. So yeah, it's like, if you add that, add that as a 17 year old, then go, you know what? I want to get my own apartment. And no matter which way you work the math, it goes, you're going to be working two years before you even come up with the first slash and security deposit. If you want to get this apartment, because only the, in this neighborhood, this neighborhood that you live in, some of these are cheap, but then uh, these other ones is marked up. So you got to come up with that money. What are you going to do for it? The, you have to, at some point, just make the playing field as level as you can. Not so that people who don't do shit will feel, uh, like, gratified in their, man, I can pay my rent, I can buy Jordan shit. But it's also it's just like the, the math doesn't add up. The math needs to add up so that, you, so that people who are trying, like you, to better themselves, it will it will help you take care of your business better. If you are not if you are not stressed out about your cell phone bill and your rent coming at weird times and that two and a half week period, you're gonna be fucked up. It's like if you just if we can if we can as a society all agree that the math is fucked up and fix the math, it will help us all get a little bit closer into a collective like not this, I'm not like a communist. I'm not like some like socialist. I'm not like a Marxist. I just believe that. I just think that the math doesn't add up. And if you if you have certain people 
who can live at that lower expense, right? Because they have their income supplemented through other means. It does, it, it, it does not help the other laborer who really needs the money to, have, to be also at this lower, this unnecessary lower level. Because we can't. Then I think the math, and I think you kind of just touched on my point. The, the math shouldn't, you're saying, when you say the math doesn't work out, I think you're comparing that 30 year old single father who just got laid off to that 17 year old. Like With you got to take a look at the individual, right? You got to take a look at each individual situation. Like you're saying, oh, this person's income is supplemented. Well, then the math works for him, right? And you can't, so you can't sit here and say the Wait, math, okay, yeah, you yeah. got to take a look. I think, I think the, the marrying of both In, Individualism of our doesn't help ideas, the community, brother. Indiv well, American well, at the same time, doesn't... if you raise the wage for any, if, 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 I don't think the problem is the wage. I think the problem is the people. Oh, oh let me. No, no, no. no. <laughs> I think the, the the wage is a part of the problem, but I think people are a part of the problem too. And I think whenever it's, it's both these things come together, and I think whenever this topic happens, they always look at the wage portion. Like I never once hear, and you made the point of. I think that's how we got to this topic in the first place, the budget. People can't make a budget because they can't get paid, blah, 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 blah. I didn't I say people can't. I said, they, well, I, said they, you, I said they did the math, and it doesn't work out. Well, they did the math, like, okay, I can't. It doesn't but, work out. But, for that, for that, but to go back to your example of that 17-year-old kid living with both parents making minimum wage who wants to move out and get that apartment, he does have to make a budget. He does have to sit down and go, okay, how much money do I need to do this thing for that 30 year old, 40 year old, 50 year old dad who just got laid off or, or that 35 year old mom or that single parent raising that kids in the house who just got laid off or who can't find a job. They at least need to come to the table with a budget in order to get to the point that where they realize the math doesn't even work out. They at least need to have to have a budget. Then you got to look at the math. Okay. The math doesn't work out. Okay. You know that you understand that. What are you going to kind of like do about it? And it kind of brings me back to why I, like I commend parents so much. For them to wake up and go, damn, I'm gonna have to rob Peter to pay Paul in order to put food in little Derek's mouth. Well, at least you came up with the idea of rob Peter paying Paul. You just go, oh, the math don't work out. You, okay. you see what I'm saying? Like nobody ever in that equation. Well, here you go. Like, this is how we get to a, a city right now that is struggling with a lot of murders and a lot of gun violence. Because again, people did the math, they did their budget. If they went and got a job, they paid $10 and they go, I have to, we have too many expenses at the bare minimum. I have to do something else. And this is, this is how you get a community of people who are hurting each other because their basic needs are not being met. It is not, it is not to excuse violent behavior or to excuse wild shit, but you have to see a correlation between people's basic needs being met, having a roof over their head, food to eat, and a place to get education. And at a young age, 15, 16, going, this doesn't add, this does not add up. This is not so, going to work. All right, so what's the difference? That's not my argument, by the way. But what's the difference in that person going, you know what, the math don't work, I need a second job. And the math don't work, I'm going to go rob somebody. Because if you get a second job, now you're talking about working more than 40 hours a week. Now you're talking, potentially, about, somebody, you're potentially. talking about somebody having to work 60 hours to get by. I don't potentially. know how long you did 60 hour weeks. I did it. For a long time, it is it will drive you into depression. It's the worst. Oh, I've, I've I've done seventy hour weeks, sir. It's, like it's I, horrible. Yeah, I get it. Shout, I understand shout it. Shout out to Kenny Klein Plumbing and Heating. Shout out to Zoom Drain. I can't 
it's uh, it is unhuman to expect someone to work for 70 plus 60 plus hours a week it is unnecessary it's unnecessary but that's not my question Say my again? question is what's different what's the difference between the person that goes damn this one job ain't cutting it i'm going to have to find a second one and the person that goes damn this job ain't cutting it i'm going to have to go rob somebody well, the person what's the difference? Have, they don't have anything to lose that's how they feel they're like i'm already they're like i'm already at the poorest i can be i have nothing to lose my freedom doesn't matter because i'm all, i'm trapped in poverty when you're poor you might as well be in jail if you are that poor where you are thinking about robbing your someone in your neighborhood then you must feel so trapped in that environment that you it does it does not matter if i can make 800 dollars right now it doesn't matter like it because like i i mean we're from the same neighborhood like we like i know niggas that you know, at 14, their home life is so bad. You're like, he's, yeah, he's not going to, he's going to be in the streets because like he is making more money now at 15 than I am at 18 working. I'm working two jobs. I'm working at GameStop, working at Maniac Brewery. I lose both those jobs. I'm working at UPS. I'm working at another restaurant. And these young kids out here on the streets are making more money. Not even a lot. It's not even a lot. It's not even a lot. So you bring home, you bring home $1,200 in a week on the streets. That's, that's nice. It's work. The fucked up part is, is that it, that being on the streets is work. It's still a job. Like we, we perceive it to be like this. You home you all day. That should, if you're going to be hustling, that's work. You got to be available. You got to have a schedule. You got to, you got to, you got to have a budget. You got to have good management skills and time. management. got to have HR. You got to have, you do, you, <laughs> You literally do. You literally have to have. Yo, yo, uh, yo I'm about to go to tell Jen you on my block, man. We already had. Yeah. I gotta go to HR and yo, tell you know. Nah, this what this this is more. It's like, yo, this not ass nigga, man. Keep commenting on my shit, man. It's not my fucking man, dog. Nigga, think people are fucking them. This nigga's a fucking nut, dog. Me tell <laughs> and man. that's the email. That's the way the email composed. That's the Instagram DM. Yeah. <laughs> it's the DM, like, yo, bitch ass nigga, man. What's the at, nigga. No, it's like, but we, we can we could as a society, at, there there have been so many wrongs not righted in American history. Agree. They've never made up for a lot of horrible things that they've done to America to African Americans specifically. They've gone out of their way to keep doing us wrong, even after they're saying like, the, um, white America is like you're in a fight with somebody. And you, you know, they're jumping you, and then you get them one. You get somebody one on one, and you start whooping ass, and he goes, "Yo, man, I'm done. I'm done." And then as you, as you like put your hands down, he throws sand in your face, and then they start jumping you again. So it's like all these, all. I'm going. I'm now about to get. I'm fired up. White America. White America lives off a of welfare state. Almost every aspect of white American life has been granted to them by the federal government. Whether it was the uh, what is it, the Homestead Act of 1865, the slave owners getting around uh, today's value like four grand per slave, uh, the GI Bill, which like gave like 98 percent of white soldiers uh, uh, federal income for housing, but then like only like a, a, a small sliver of percentage of black soldiers were able to get that money. Then you have like unions. You have like labor unions, like the steamfitters union, like the uh, like the plumbers union, the contractors union, who were create. A lot of them were created to combat 
black employment to go. It's too many niggas moving in Detroit. We gotta, we gotta move. We got, we gotta do something. And right. then it, it transpires in riots and all that shit. So then you see a specific community of people that look like us doing very, very bad. And the way that we were raised in education and what we see in media, even through what we do to each other, make it goes. It's it's ninety eight percent their fault. There's no way that I would do that. So that's got to be something that's on them. And there is accountability in everything that you do. There's nothing like my mother, my mother will always say, "You stand what you do. You can't let nobody else. anybody that you say got you into trouble. That's just you getting yourself right. in trouble." Right, right, right. But the to say that it's easy to be anybody entering the workforce in America is, is a lie, right? To say that people can survive if they try hard enough is technically true. But the harsh realities of the way that life works, because it is not fair, is that they, these pe- people have so many things stacked against them. It's like you're asking some, you're, you are asking someone to become entrapped and some type of weird level of dependency on low income labor to get by. And through that labor, they will not be able to have the opportunity to do other things, to take money that they save and pay for school because school is 75% more expensive than it was in the seventies and eighties to like go out and get another job because their job is so specific that those hours don't apply to a lot of other industries. So it's like, yeah, I could leave, I could leave this retail job, but based off of everything that I know, I could probably only ever go get another retail job or some other type of like commercial middle management. Like, oh, I was the manager here. Let me try to be the manager there. Or if I, I did this there. Let me do it. It's like you, 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 you boxing people in. So to, to get back to the main thing that we were talking about. Recap. Raising. <laughs> <laughs> Raising the minimum wage won't won't create a dependency on working on the working on the minimum wage. What it will do, if we ever get to that point, I don't think that we ever will, because I don't believe that people actually care about uh, working class people, minorities, motherfuckers with no family. There's a lot of people with no family. A lot of people with no family, nobody to go to. Mm-hmm. We are trained in a way to believe that, like, if you have to pay laborers, then business can't operate. And that business will crumble. But again, the expenses for everything have gone up so much. It's like, at the very least, you shouldn't have to work 70 hours a week. You can, you can if you want. And power to you if you do. But there is no nobility in being taken advantage of. And I, that, think we can, I think we can both agree that um, nobody should feel taken advantage of. Um, <laughs> I'm 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 gonna get ready and go, uh, uh, dog. Before I do, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to say sorry. Sorry that, for holding you up. No, you good. You good. Um, what, what, what I want to say this first and foremost, and for everyone who's made it this far, who's still here with us, this is what a civil debate looks like. I yeah. feel like if if this wasn't COVID, you know, dog and I could go and get a beer. Um, yeah, you'd be Manning drinking. You'd be drinking white claws with me right here. <laughs> no, thank you, sir. I have. Like white I, I got dignity. I still got some dignity. White claws are sick. Hey, don't show their logo on camera unless they sponsor this video, man. No one's gonna see the video. I don't do that. <laughs> but um, but um, no. This is what a civil debate looks like. So I want to say I appreciate uh you for keeping it civil. 
Yeah. Um, I think it's okay to disagree. That's the lifeblood of of uh, civil discourse. American discourse. Yeah. All right. Indeed. Um, and um, this was fun, man. This was fun. This just goes to show you that we don't really even got got to have anything to talk about. And um, yeah, you asked me. He was like, "What's the topic?" I was like, "I don't know." <laughs> it's a little, little structure, but for thirty minutes on GameStop. Right. Well, I, I love it. I love the laid back vibe. I feel yeah. like we just in the room talking. Um, and I think that's what makes you so special. Um, so yeah. shout out to you. Shout out you doing yeah. you. Um, I really appreciate the opportunity to come on the show. Um, and yeah. um, you got any other I, shout outs? Uh, shout nine five eight. Yeah. <laughs> People listen like, what are those numbers? What mean? the fuck are that? Yeah. <laughs> shout out my man Spence. Yeah, you know I mean, shout out AJ. Shout out Don Garzino. Yeah, you know I mean. <laughs> right one time for the one time uh yeah. but um no this was dope man this was fun hopefully you'll have me on in the future and uh anytime, what i'll try man. to do is i try not to do you up with the backdrop anymore i'll, I'll uh, maybe yeah, i'll yeah. angle the camera up a little bit more or it's just just it, like just, just all white white. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah next they, time i'll be they, holding the cat i'm gonna have the cat vomit right. on we're doing <laughs> but i appreciate you bro man um yeah, I really, man. thank you for the opportunity no problem man see you around all right, all right peace out